we're going to be going through verses Ephesians 6, 21 through 24, and it's the final greetings. So if you want to get the word out, I'm going to go ahead and read the word here from the ESV version. So that you may also know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that we that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers in love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Thank you, Weston. So how many of you like to speak in public? Very good. How many of you like to read in public? Okay, good. Powell, you're up here next week because words like Tychicus, it's like, uh oh, <laughs> how do you pronounce this name? Hey, welcome. We're glad that you're, you're here today. Weston, thank you for reading this, this powerful passage. This passage is the end of Ephesians. We've been in Ephesians for how long? I don't know, six months, I'm guessing. I don't know. We've been in Ephesians for a while, and we close it up today as we end this letter from Paul. Next week, we begin another study as we move forward in Church Project. But today, I want to recap Ephesians. And I, and I want to kind of set it up as to what Paul has said in Ephesians. And I believe that God has a very, very special message for each and every one of us today. If, if we're willing to listen, if we're willing to open our hearts and say, God, uh, please remove all distraction from me. Keep me focused on your word and let me hear what you have today. If we do that today, I believe every single one of us, we're going to hear a special personal message from God. So that's my prayer over us as we get into this message. Well, as we look at Paul finishing this lesson, uh, I want to recap a little bit. Paul, he spent two to two and a half years ministering to the people of Ephesus. So this letter that he's writing to, to the, the people that, li that live in Ephesus, this Ephesian letter, he's writing it not to just a foreign someone over there that he's heard of, not just a brother or sister over there that he's yeah, got reports on, but these are brothers and sisters that he knows. Like, he loves them. He's, he's bled with them. He's probably even played, yes, spike ball with them. Like, he is, he's intimately, he's been in relationship with these people for two, two and a half years. Now, Ephesus is a very rich city, and so he's writing to this rich city. It has one of the great wonders of the world, and that's the great temple to the goddess Artemis. And she is the, the goddess of fertility. And so this city is known for its wealth. It's known for this enormous temple. It's known for the worship of this goddess. And Paul lived there for two, two and a half years. And he stood in the gap and he began to preach the gospel message, the love of Jesus Christ as the Savior, the Messiah. He began to speak to these people, these people that have money, these people that have a goddess that they're worshiping and don't really need another god. Does it sound like America a little bit? He begins to speak to these people and something begins to happen. The Holy Spirit begins to take over and change and form lives as the Holy Spirit does. And he begins to change this entire city to the point where so many people start turning from worshiping this goddess Diana. And the people, the silversmiths that were making their money after off, uh, off of building these little temples and little shrines that people would pray to, begin to suddenly not be able to sell as much. And riots begin to happen because so many people are turning to the love of Jesus Christ. Yes, it can happen in America. It can happen anywhere. And we see this happening to the point where Paul gets run out of Ephesus. 
that so many people are coming to know the love of Jesus Christ. Well, we fast forward now, and where is Paul as he's writing this letter back to these people? He's in house arrest in Rome, and he's writing Ephesians. He probably wrote this book in the years 60 to 61 AD. He's in house arrest, and he's writing these final words. And as we've been going through this letter of Ephesians, the first half of the letter was rich. The first three chapters, rich, rich about the doctrine of who God is. Who God is, the makeup of God. And the overall theme that his people are chosen by him. That Jews and Gentiles alike are, are, are run over by God's love. And it's a beautiful first three chapters. And what we've been walking through the last three chapters of, of, of Ephesians is now, how is that lived out in our house? How is that lived out in our Christian home, in our Christian community, in our Christian life? All this rich doctrine of God, what does it even mean to us? And that's what we've been going through the last three chapters of, of Ephesians. And Paul is encouraging the people as he's writing, and as he's writing us today, and he's asking, how have you grown in your Christian life? How have you grown in your Christian life? And he's encouraging the love message of Jesus Christ. He makes it clear to the writers of that day, and he makes it clear to us that our spiritual growth happens not in isolation, but primarily in community with others. I want to say this again. Paul makes it clear that our spiritual growth, this message, this love message of Jesus Christ, as we grow closer to him, it happens primarily not in isolation, but in community with other believers. That's where we all say amen. We look around, we fist bump your neighbor, say, I'm glad you're here today. I need you here today. I need you. We're a body moving together. We're his church. I thank you, Paul, for writing this message. Our life is to be lived in unity, in holiness, in love, in wisdom, and in perseverance as we looked last week against the spiritual warfare, which is not something we see, but is happening in the spiritual world. See, Satan wants to kill us. Do you know that? He wants to deceive us. He wants to lie to us, just subtly take the joy and move us away from the truth and this gospel message. And subtly we look up and we don't even know each other and we're questioning the goodness of God. Satan's sneaky. Oh, I hate him. Can we move on? Let's move on. <laughs> Ephesians 4.1, as I think back, I think of Ephesians 4.1. It says, I therefore, and Paul's writing this, he says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you, and he's urging the church, and he's urging us today, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And it's a reminder to all of us today that we are prisoners to this gospel message. Not because God tied us up and forced us to be prisoners, but because this message has run us over. We realize how our life would look without God, and we say, God, I need you. And I love this message, and I love what you're doing in my life to the point where I'm a prisoner. I can't do anything else but share this message wherever I go. As we look back, we look at Saul, the current day ISIS, Saul, walking around, killing Christians. And on a road, randomly, God runs him over drops him on his face and shows him what love, shows him what forgiveness looks like, shows him what grace looks like, and says, Paul, Saul, regardless of what you've done, you've killed all these Christians, up to, some say, 10,000 Christians, you are in charge of and you are responsible of killing. God's love runs him over and says, my grace is enough to cover even over that. 
changes his name to Paul. Years later, we fast forward, and Paul's saying, I'm a prisoner to this message because it's changed my life. And Paul's writing us today, and he's reminding us, hey, church, we're prisoners to this message. It's a good message. It's worth being a prisoner for. Wouldn't you agree, church? Uh, so we get down to this final, this final couple verses that we're going to close out today. And, and I want to read verses 21 and 22. It says this. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Titrius. How did I do, Weston? Okay. <laughs> the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. Verse 22. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Again, my current reality is only to further encourage you in this gospel message and that it would run you over and take over your world. Paul is writing from prison and he's saying, here's my current reality. I am in prison. And what is he doing while he's in prison? He's not saying, woe is me. He's not saying, poor me in prison. But he's saying, this is my current reality. I am in prison. And what does he do in these first couple verses? What does he do? He seeks to encourage his brothers and sisters. Would you do that <laughs> in prison? Would you seek to encourage your brothers and sisters that are free, living great lives over there in Ephesus? Paul is writing this message in his desire as he's in chains. His freedom's been taken away. is to encourage the brothers and sisters. That's strong. That's, that's huge. Yet we can walk around and we can walk around in forgiveness and we can walk around in freedom and we can subtly, I don't know if you're like me, we can subtly look up and all of life is about me and my pleasures. has nothing to do with the Christians that are persecuted around the world or let alone the people in our own city that are hurting because I'm too focused on me and I'm not looking at what God is doing around the world. Church, when was the last time you prayed for just one person, someone other than yourself? Some of us, we have strong, strong people here that are prayer warriors, and we're probably going to be going into a study very soon about prayer and the depth of prayer and what that means. But I would encourage you, if you're not praying for someone today, start. Say, God, give me one person that I can pray for. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's someone in your family. Maybe it's a, a co-worker or someone around you. But Paul is showing us the importance about caring for our brothers and sisters around the world, regardless of what our situation looks like. So we look at this man, Tychicus, Tychicus, what? We'll just call him T-Rex. We look at T-Rex. <laughs> I like that. Oh, man. I better get off of this. Okay, we look at, we look at this T-Guy. And it, a little, little, if you look at him and study him, and I would encourage you to do this. I, I've been able to study him this week. Um, and, and so as I was looking and studying him, he's a pretty powerful guy. He carried not only, only this letter to the Ephesians, he carried it also to the, a letter to the Colossians and to Philemon uh, around the same time. <laughs> and this is what he says, Paul, about this T-Rex guy. He says, I want you to know in this letter, look at these first couple verses. He says, I want you to know, church, that I'm sending you T-Rex. <laughs> I'm just going to stay with it because it's awesome. And why am I sending them to you? Why? To encourage you. 
I want you to know, church, that I'm sending you this man. And why am I sending you this man to encourage you? And Paul is calling greatness out of everyone around him, including T-Rex. Including a situation that looks so dire and so down and out. Paul's saying, you know what? Even to you, I am sending you, him, because he's a powerful man that I've been living my life with to encourage you as a church. Because the good news that you're going to hear about where I'm at and what I'm doing is going to encourage you, church. And so I'm sending you this man. And you know what? But let's put it in the modern day language. This is what it means. Paul is a football coach. He grabs the face mask of the dude and says, Good tackle. Good tackle. And he watched that football guy bow up again. He's like, all right, and the next tackle is going to be even better, coach. Like, this is Paul. He's saying, church, I'm sending you this guy to encouraging you. This is the same as a parent saying to their child, I love you. I'm proud of you. You got this. This is the same as the spouse saying to the other one, uh, not what needs to change about them, but how much you like about them. What, what is beautiful about them. If you've ever done that to a spouse, you watch them smile. You, la- you watch them get proud. You watch love come up in them. Why? Because you're speaking encouragement into that person, just like the football player that made the great tackle, just like the kid that needs encouragement, just like we can go through a thousand situations We all need encouragement, don't we? Paul knows this. In prison, he knows the importance of encouraging someone. And he writes this letter and says, I'm sending you a T-Rex and he's going to encourage you. (laughs) Proverbs 17, 22. Anyone have this memorized? That was a chance for me to take a drink of water. Uh, we've said it before, and it's such a, such a powerful verse. It says this, Proverbs 17, 22, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Have you ever walked around feeling crushed? I mean, it hurts, doesn't it? It hurts inside and it hurts outside. It hurts what you're thinking, how you're feeling, and it physically can begin to hurt. I am just more tired. I don't feel much hope. The situation I'm in is down and out. I don't know how I'm going to overcome this. Your spirit is crushed, and it begins to even affect us physiologically. And Proverbs says this. It says, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries the bone. And Paul, writing in prison, says, church, I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to give you a spirit that has your heart jumping up and down because I'm alive in prison, and I want you to be alive over there in Ephesus because this gospel message is worth it. It's worth our one and only life. Now, isn't that true? Isn't that true in our life? The the temporal and the eternal, sometimes we can get pulled into the the temporal situations and think it's never going to get better than this. And God's saying, I'm speaking life into the eternal things. Would you see what I'm seeing? Would you trust what I'm doing in your life? The temporal every day. We all like to hear good news, don't we? It lifts us up and encourages us and pushes us into greatness. The boss coming in as as we work diligently to, to promote this company or we work diligently in this company, it's the boss coming in and saying, hey, I've noticed that you are doing great work. You're, you're making a huge difference in this company. You are our best hire. Any of you had your boss say that to you? You're our best hire. 
encourage you and it lifts you up and, and gets you going. And, and Paul is looking at the church and his purpose is to write them at this time and encourage them. Encourage them in Christ. Encourage them in this gospel message. He doesn't want to see a church that has a dried, crushed spirit that's limping. And so from prison, he writes this. Think about what God is speaking over you. Today. What's God speaking over you today? It's going to directly affect how we live our life. How we move about our day in and day out. Some of us, we've been questioning the goodness of God and we're not sure what he's speaking over our life. We're so busy, we're moving so fast that we don't take the time to sit and to bask in this love message that God is speaking over us. So what would God speak over you today? What does God think of you today? Here's a couple things I, I, I feel like he's saying. Hey, you. God's getting your attention. Tapping you on the shoulder. Some of you, he's punching you in the face. Whatever he needs to do, he's getting your attention. And he's going, hey, you. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. You are my child. And you know what I think about you? I think adopting you was the best move I ever made. God's looking us in the eye. Saying, I think adopting you was probably the best move that I ever made. You bring me great joy. It is a great joy being your father. You are worthy. You are capable. And you are loved. Some of us, if we think of God speaking that message over us, our eyes start shifting back and forth because we just don't believe it. We, we can't believe that God would love us for what we've done, what we're doing, what we may even do in the future. We hold so much stock in our actions and that we're not worthy. And so when God begins to speak this love and this grace message over us, our, our, our eyes begin to twitch back and forth and we begin to plug our ears and we won't receive this message. Church, will you receive this message that God's speaking over you today? That you as adopted children are probably the best choice he ever made. Do you see yourself as God sees you? We each have the opportunity, like Paul is writing and saying, I'm bringing you T-Rex to encourage you. We each have the opportunity to do this and to speak over each other's life. Are we going to speak words of life or are we going to speak words of death to each other? We each have this opportunity to speak over each other and say, hey, hey, you, as we look around, the church, his body, the makeup of beautiful men and women and children that make up this thing called Church Project in the capital C, church at all, at, at large, we all have the opportunity to go, hey, hey, the way you live your life is amazing. You're doing a great job. I see God in you, and it makes me want to know him better. As we begin to speak to each other, we say, you are an amazing person, so talented, inspiring, and I am better because of you in my life. Church, what words do we speak over each other? What words do we think about God speaking over us? Are they life or are they death? So we, we look at these verses, and it says here that I'm, I'm sending you this guy, and why am I sending him? He's my beloved, beloved brother. Do you see that? He's my beloved brother. 
and faithful minister in the Lord, and he will tell you everything. Everything you need to know, he's going to tell you. I've spent time with him. I've encouraged him. I've written this letter so we would do the same thing for you. And Paul is continually speaking what is to be about someone. Paul's continually speaking it. He's saying, I'm sending you this powerful man, and he's going to be an encouragement over your life, and he will tell you everything that you need to know, and he speaks that into being. He doesn't say, hey, I'm sending you the guy that's been with me, and we've got a pretty good message for you in this letter. No, he's speaking personally, and he's saying he will show you everything and tell you everything that you need to know, and Paul speaks encouragement over this man's life. It is not a continual correction. It's a, it's a calling of greatness, and it's a calling of greatness to the surface of this man's life. Paul sees it as his responsibility for this man to speak greatness and call greatness out of his life as he sends him forward to encourage the church at large. It's speaking life into dead places. It's redeeming what Satan has stolen. Who do you know in your life right now who needs the words of encouragement? It might be us. It might be us personally. It might be our spouse. It might be our kids. It may be someone around us. Who do you know right now as you look into them and you look past the temporary situation and you look into the eternal and go, who do I know in my life that needs encouragement? And church, are you being that person or are you pushing it off to someone else? I thank God for Paul and his writing in the prison cell in a bad situation as he sends T-Rex to the church to encourage it because he encourages us through time and space, because he looked past the temporal situation, and he looked into today. Recently, I received a, a card in the mail the last couple weeks that just said, thank you, and I appreciate you. <laughs> That's cool. That's awesome. I felt better just reading that card. I felt, you know what, I actually felt good. I felt worthy. I felt empowered. I felt like Superman. Well, that's, not, that's too much. That was too much. That was Superman. But it, but it felt good to be encouraged. That said, you know what, Aaron? Regardless of whether I thought you did a phenomenal job speaking on Sunday or you bombed, who cares? Thank you. Thanks for doing what you could do for the church. And church, I would say for every single one of us, we need you. This is a body. This is our one and only life that we get to share on this earth as we walk together. We each have giftings and, and talents that are different from everyone else, and we need the body moving together. If we're relying on just Aaron Havens or Jeremy, who's good job leading worship, bro. If we're relying on just a few people, we have a weak body. Church, every single one of us, look around at each other. We are gifted. We are talented. Are we calling greatness out of each other? Are we calling up someone and saying, I saw this in you, thank you. Be the body as we move together. I want to do this in Greeley, do you? Let's do this thing. Let's move this thing. It's the gospel message that's going to shake the foundations of Greeley as we speak life into each other. The world begins to see it, and the world of Greeley begins to change. Let alone Fort Collins, Loveland, and Haiti. Last night I have an opportunity to go meet with Jason Scare. Jason Scare is a tall dude, taller than any of you. He played professional ball over in Australia or something. He was just hired by Church Project to be the director of our network. 
So the networks of church projects, we have four churches in America, and Greeley is, is one of them. We have one in Houston, Dallas, Cincinnati, and uh, Denver. So we have those locally in, in, in America. And then we have five churches in Haiti. And Jason was just now hired to be the director of that. As, as God begins to promote and grow church project, just as a network, individual churches all around the world. And this is worth our one and only life because it's the gospel message that has run us over as we speak into other places and other people wherever we go. This is beautiful. It's not just superficial words of emotion that will fade. It's thought out. It's methodical. It's specific. It's God-given words to spur the church on, as Paul was writing. And it's God-given words for us to speak into each other as God moves and he brings dead things to life. (laughs) So let's continue to look here in verse 23. 24. 23 says, Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love uncorruptible. This is the final prayer of the letter, the benediction. This is Paul speaking over and praying over the church in Ephesus, speaking and praying over us today. And I would encourage you, church, to take these verses and turn it into something that's very special, a liturgy, something that that you pray and you walk through and you move through in your daily lives. Look at this prayer. Prayer is this, and look at, it starts in verse 23. Here's the prayer. Peace be to you. Do you accept that? Peace be to you. And love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with everyone that love our Lord Jesus Christ with undying love. Can you accept this prayer and can you pray this prayer over your life as you move about your day this week? This is the gospel message and it's spoken over all of our lives and God says He has come that we may have life and we may have it abundantly. So as we look at these words, we look at peace. What's the opposite of peace? War. I don't want to live a life of war, do you? Unless it's spiritual war and then we're going to kick some booty. But peace in our life. I accept that as Paul prays that over my life. Do you accept that as God prays that over your life? Peace. Amen, God. Thank you. I need peace in my life. Peace be to you. Then he says, but, he moves down, peace be to the brothers and love. What's the opposite of love? Hate. Which do you prefer? What's the opposite of of faith? Or he says here, you know, and love with faith. Faith, not shape-shifting beliefs and doubt, but faith, I believe in who you are, God. The goodness of who you are, what you're doing in my life. And then we get down to this word in verse 24. It says, grace. Be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with the love, uncorruptible grace. I accept grace in my life. I need grace in my life. It's not the law and it's not oppression, a God that's smiting us down because of our weak actions or he's lifting us up because we're just awesome. No, it's grace. And the grace washes over our life and says, I love you regardless of your actions, period. Thank you, God. 
I accept these words in my life, peace, love, faith, grace. What a prayer that, God, that Paul prays over us, and what a prayer that God is whispering over our lives as we move about our days. Then we get to this last word in Ephesians, and we will close out this message. We close out this book. Some of you, if you're reading ESV, it says uncorruptible. Some of you, if you are reading NIV, it says undying, and it's speaking about this love that's uncorruptible, and it's undying. The Greek transliteration for that is, oh, Weston, you thought that, that one was hard. Here's the Greek transliteration, atherosia, atherosia. That's the Greek transliterization that means uncorruptible or undying, which means this. It means not subject to death or decay, and it's everlasting. How many of you want everlasting love that's undying in your life, that's unwavering in my life? I saw a hand. How about more hands? Like, I want that in my life. And, and Paul is praying it over our life. God has empowered it. He's given us peace, love, faith, grace, and it's undying in our life. See, Satan has come to kill that. He's come to twist that up. He's come to deceive us just a little bit at a time. He's come to pull us into this temporary situation. When things quite aren't going the way that we plan, we begin to doubt God. We begin to doubt that his love is, is undying. And we begin to get moved and sucked into today when God's saying, I've created you for eternity. Lift your eyes. Because in your life, I've already given you peace, love, faith, grace. So once again, Tell your face this love message because it needs to smile as you walk around a child of a king. This is a balm, awesome, very sweet passage that Paul ends with. <laughs> it's the Father's way of loving us and our daily aim of loving him, accepting his love. And what does that mean for us today at Church Project? I can tell you one thing it means. Speak, please. Would you speak greatness over my life? Uh, no, I'm asking you. Would you please? W would you speak greatness over my life? I need you to. Remind me of who I am. Can you do that? Remind me of who I am. And I'll do my darndest to do the same thing over your life. And we're all looking around, and we're not being selfish. We're not being stuck in the temporary woe of our lives. But we're trusting God for his love, his peace, his faith, and his grace as we encourage the snot out of each other. If we do that, ain't no one's going to be getting picked off in this place. Satan's not going to have his way in our life. The world is going to look at Church Project Greeley and they're going to say, something's different. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. It scares me a little bit. Because we might have to find another room to meet in. And I kind of like it in this place. But with a message like this, and with the people that are living this message that Paul's been giving us in Ephesians, we're not going to be able to stop people from coming. Because who wouldn't want to be around a message like this? A life-changing, transformation message. I applaud Paul for this, this message in Ephesians. I accept it in my life. I want to walk in it. 
I am so thankful for this grace, love, peace message that he's given us. So church, would you receive this? Close your eyes. Would you receive this benediction? Would you pray this over your life today? Because Paul already has, and Jesus is praying it over us, and God has empowered him to do so, and this is what you accept in your life. Peace be to you, church. Peace be to you. And love and faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with everyone that love our Lord Jesus Christ with undying love. And the church says, Amen. I'm going to ask us today, to just close your, your Bibles, close your notes, and if you're comfortable with it, just physically put your hands out in, in front of you. There's nothing magical about the position, but here's what happens when you put your hands in front of you. You're not fighting anymore. You're in a humble stance of receiving and giving God everything. And so as we do that today, what it does is it may calm us down physiologically as we think, God, here's my life. And we picture putting our lives in our, in our palm of our hands and offering them to God. Say, here it is, take my life. In our hands, we can also place the fears, the worries, the stresses of today. Whatever's wearing us down that's not love, peace, joy, grace, whatever lies Satan has brought our way, however Satan has sucked us into the temporary world today or this week, and we've somehow missed the eternal message that we're worthy, that we're capable, that God loves us, His grace is enough, it's not about today. Place those worries in your hands. Say, God, here, these are your burdens, not mine. I can't handle them. They, they worry me. They stress me out. They're yours, God so sorry for picking them up. They were never mine to carry. Just quietly to yourself. Just whatever God's showing you in your heart or in your mind. Say, God, what's stressing me out? What's coming between you and I? Just put those in your hands and offer them to God. taken all those those worries, those lies, those burdens away and so now is a great time to be super selfish in this place not about your neighbor, not about anyone else not about your spouse, not about your kids, your friends this is about you, be selfish in this moment hold your hands out and just say God show me who I am in you Please show me that I, am, that I am capable, not because of my actions, but because of you. Let me begin to find my identity in you.
God, please show me who you are, how powerful you are, how strong you are, how much you've given for me. And help me believe that and walk in that this week. Trusting you, God, you say you're the author and the perfecter of my faith. Trusting that what you started in me, oh, it's not done. Like, it's just the beginning. You're going to take me to greatness. You're going to complete this in me, God. Why? So you will get all glory and all praise in my life as the world looks at us walking together in this love message and you fill me with your joy, God. I'm tired of believing the lies of Satan. Show me who I am in you. Some of us today are sitting on a piece of paper that says prayer requests. Don't do life alone. Pick that up. Write your prayer request down. There's nothing too small, too big. Write that prayer request down. The elders, the people at church, we're praying for this. It takes all of us moving in unison to pray together and strengthen each other. Write that prayer request down. Maybe you would like to speak with the pastor or whatever. Just just write what God's doing down on that piece of paper and let's turn it in back here in the offering um, here during this worship time or as you leave. Don't do life alone. The church here, we move in unity as we push back the gates of hell and say, Satan, we do not believe your lies in our life. We stand for love, joy, peace, grace. get this love message and find our identity in him there's only one proper response that I know of and that's to say thank you God and to worship God as our maker and king